Imagine waking up one morning after a night of drinking with your friends. Let's say your friends are peasants, and so are you. You feel parched. You don't recall drinking anything but ale after ale, which could explain the headache you're feeling. Your muscles feel sore and tight per usual, as chronic pain was an everyday part of life for most peasants. You head to work because what choice do you have? Once you're there, you notice two of your friends are missing, as are a few of your coworkers. No one speaks to each other, and they keep their distance. The bootlicking lord you work under is nowhere to be found, and you think about ditching. You work through the pain which only grows worse with each passing minute. Once it's time for you to head home, you struggle to find the energy to make the journey back, but thankfully, you do. Your stomach is in agony, and your legs give and you collapse in your room. It takes you forever to crawl to your place of rest. You lay down, hoping that whatever ails you will be long gone with more rest. But this is just the beginning. A fever envelops you like a flame to a pyre. Your body shakes uncontrollably and you begin to vomit blood. Heavy, black, painful boils begin to pile on top of your skin, and the sight is so terrifying that you long to be outside of your own body. You become less and less lucid and border on delusional. You imagine your friends in your home. You talk with your mother who died last summer. And at one point, you swear you can hear angels calling you to heaven. Then, a figure walks into your home. This has to be death, you think to yourself. Death keeps their distance. They have a long, bird-like beak for a nose with dark, glassy eyes. They are covered head to toe in thick black leather. They carry a big stick and poke at you and ask you various questions. You can't remember the last time you spoke. Breathing is painful enough, let alone conversation. The figure leans in closer. It must be death, for you can smell spring in the form of mint and rose. And myrrh, that reminds you of the church at Christmas time. Death begins to take a step backward, and as they do, you feel the pain become all too consuming and begin to fade into the darkness. You hold on to the lingering scent of spring and Christmas before finally succumbing to death. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Finding History. I'm your host, Victoria, and today I'm going to talk to you about plague doctors. This was a topic I was most curious about considering so many things happened along this timeline of the Black Death. And considering what is happening in current events, it is a subject that has sparked interest since the arrival of our current pandemic. So the Black Death has got some wild, lengthy, and intricate history involved in it, and I won't go into too much of it today because that would literally be a multi-part series, at least in how I like to phrase things, but I definitely will touch base on where it came from, uh, what some of the theories were involved in healing and treating the Black Death, and so forth. Um, so I'm going to go over some facts with you, and yeah, let's go ahead and start the show.
The Black Death dates back to the 5th century AD, but was known then as the Justinian Plague or the Plague of Justinian. It affected the Mediterranean, Europe, and the East. It severely affected the Neo-Iranian Empire, which occupied modern-day Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, Egypt, and Judea, aka Israel. The plague was named after Constantinople Emperor Justinian I, who, according to his court historian, contracted the disease yet made a recovery. It was not until fairly recently that researchers were able to confirm that the Justinian plague was caused by the same bacterium responsible for the Black Death. It is called Yersinia pestis. It is estimated this first outbreak killed between 25 to 100 million people during two centuries of its reoccurrence. Yersinia pestis is likely to have descended from Tian Shan, a system of mountain ranges on the borders of Kazakhstan and China, suggesting that the Justinian Plague may have originated in or near that region. For the outbreak of the Middle Ages, uh, Yersinia pestis traveled along the Silk Road, which was a network of trade routes from east to west. It reached Eastern Europe by 1347 and was carried by fleas, living on rats that traveled aboard Genoese merchant ships, thus spreading through the Mediterranean basin, northern African countries, Western Asia, and the rest of Europe. China had lost nearly half of their population to the plague outbreak. Now we are all familiar with the figure of the plague doctors, the giant bird men creatures that walk through the diseased cities of the old world while hordes of people lay dying or dead around them. This figure is something most people associate with the Black Death, and therefore associated with the infamous outbreak of the Middle Ages. However, the costume that most people imagine was not used until the 17th century. The design of the doctor's wardrobe was created by Charles Delorme, chief physician to Louis VIII. The masks were designed to protect the wearer from putrid air, which, according to the now obsolete miasmic theory of disease, was seen as the cause of the infection. See, the uh, miasmic theory proposes that certain diseases were caused by bad air or night air. The theory held that the Black Death in particular was caused by miasma emanating from rotting organic uh, matter. This theory could also be extended to food, as some physicians thought that inhaling the odor of food would cause one to become obese, which honestly just kind of sounds like disordered eating. The miasma theory was accepted from ancient times in Europe and in China. The theory was eventually given up after the late 19th century and was replaced by the germ theory of disease. Specific germs, not miasma, caused specific diseases. Now, I don't think the doctors were exactly wrong to associate bad air with disease. They were wrong in the context of the Black Death, yes, of course, but... The bad air theory isn't super off. Uh, when the West Coast was on fire, it affected everyone, and the air smelled sour and dead. In cities with high pollution, people with chronic conditions are the most affected, and allergy season becomes more hostile. 
And certainly there are diseases that are airborne that we should protect ourselves from, such as COVID-19. Odors and toxicity in the air can indeed make one sick, but that was not what caused the Black Plague to take full effect. Another popular theory was described at the University of Paris in 1348. The King of France asked the professors for their advice as the plague approached the royal capital. The scholars combined medicine with astrology to explain the cause and spread of the plague. They believed that the air of the earth was overheated and corrupted by a 1345 conjunction of the planets Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter. These three planets were considered hot, violent, and corrupt in their astrological influence. It was believed that Mars was composed of seas of fire in the Middle Ages, which I think is kind of a pretty cool visual. Anyway, the theory was these fiery planets were all in conjunction with Aquarius, which was, at the time, considered a water sign. This caused an unnaturally hot and moist air to blow across Asia, towards Europe, causing plague wherever it passed. The protective suit the doctors wore consisted of a light fabric overcoat, tall boots, long gloves, a mask with glass eye openings, and a beak-shaped nose. They were covered head to toe, and the doctors also commonly used animal fat to coat their robes to act as another barrier against the plague. The nose was typically stuffed with herbs, straw, and spices. Plague doctors would also commonly carry a cane to examine and direct patients without the need to make direct contact with them. Some of the most common materials used in the mask included juniper berries, ambergris, roses, mint, leaves, cloves, and myrrh. Plague doctors knew that touch and smell would likely lead to their infection and made sure to keep a distance. I did not find any information about what plague doctors wore prior to the invention of this uniform. However, physicians of the later medieval period aren't represented by a single outfit. Ideas about the cause and spread of the plague changed over several centuries, as did the clothing worn by plague doctors and the methods used to treat the disease. Plague prevention and care came from college-trained physicians, surgeons, barbers, apothecaries, midwives, priests, and herbalists. I also couldn't find much information about physicians in other affected countries and what their attire might have been. Muslim scholars taught that the pandemic was a martyrdom from God, assuring the believers place in paradise, and for non-believers, it was punishment. As far as treatment goes, some Muslim doctors cautioned against trying to prevent or treat a disease that was sent from God. However, there are other Muslim doctors who studied ancient Greek text and used similar preventative methods of European doctors. Mecca became a hotspot of infection in 1348 by pilgrims performing the Hajj, which is an annual Islamic pilgrimage that brings many followers together. From this event, many other neighboring cities became infected. The medieval Egyptian historian al Makrizi had described the work of grave diggers and practitioners of funeral rites as being abundant post-Hajj. al Makrizi had made note of the symptoms of plague and believed in the miasma theory as well, that the disease had spread through bad air. 
plague doctors practice bloodletting and other remedies such as putting frogs or leeches on the boils of a victim in order to bring balance to the body. It was a normal procedure. Plague doctors were often outcasts or hermits from society and could not generally interact with the general public uh, because of the nature of their business and the possibility of spreading the disease. They often had to self-quarantine. Plague doctors, by their covenant, treated plague patients and were known as municipal or community plague doctors, whereas general practitioners were separate doctors and both might be in the same European city or town at the same time. Plague doctors were hired by towns where the plague had taken hold. The city was paying their salaries, so they treated everyone, wealthy and poor. It was common for plague doctors to have a side hustle of charging wealthier patrons for special tonics which did nothing. Though, come to think of it, being a plague doctor itself was kind of a side hustle. A dangerous one at that, but anyway. Typically, the doctors were not experienced physicians or surgeons at all. They were often second-rate doctors or medical students. However, as the economy struggled with multiple deaths of the plague, Many people found themselves without jobs and thus became plague doctors. Everyone from butchers, shop owners, and even fruit salesmen became doctors. Plague doctors rarely cured their patients. Rather, they served to record a count of the number of contaminated for demographic purposes. According to Susan L. Einbinder's book, After the Black Death, many plague doctors wrote short books known as plague treaties to advise their peers and the literate public on plague prevention. Plague doctors had used ancient and medieval medical theories in addition to the miasma theory. They argued that the Black Death was a pestilential fever that corrupted the humors, causing horrific plague buboes or swollen lymph nodes of blood and pus. Plague doctors recognized that these buboes tended to form in the groin armpits and neck and saw them as evidence of the body expelling humors from the nearest uh, major organ, the liver, heart, and brain. In medicine, humor refers to a fluid or semi-fluid substance. The humors were part of an ancient theory that held that health came from balance between the bodily liquids. These liquids were termed humors. Disease arose when imbalance occurred between the humors. Certain doctors believed that the plague could be prevented by strengthening the humors or keeping them in balance through a detailed medical plan, which included certain changes to the diet, taking drugs that induced a beneficial vomiting and urination and occasional bloodletting. All these procedures were intended to expel any corruption from the body and to keep the black bile accompanied by the boils from dominating the body. This bile was considered the most dangerous to the body and was referred to as melancholia. I believe I read somewhere once upon a time, uh, pre my plague research, that Edward IV of England had concocted a drink or his physician con concocted it where it was like ale and uh, spices and raw eggs and you're just supposed to mix that up and drink it and that's supposed to keep you from getting the plague well I mean to me it just sounds like it would make you throw up which 
I guess it's kind of the point, you know, but I thought that was kind of interesting as far as the diet goes. Plague doctors may have had a low success rate, and quite a few of them fell victim to the plague themselves, but they were amongst the first people to recognize the spread and the symptoms of plague and gave people hope in an age of rapid death and loss. The Black Death was one of the most destructive killers in world history, striking multiple times, leaving a trail of destruction and despair behind it. The most affected communities were the impoverished ones, but this disease killed both rich and poor all the same. I do think, with the theory of bad air being the cause of the plague, little to nothing was done to remedy the filthy streets and living situations for the most vulnerable communities. And please, no one say, well, they didn't know any better, or they didn't associate cleanliness with being disease-free, because that's not entirely true. Palaces and homes of the wealthy were kept very clean, and more often than not, far away from the cities because that's where they knew the sickness had often dwelled. The plague was wildly contagious and spread very fast, so I understand why measures of sanitation were not taken immediately, but the fact that nothing was done post-outbreak was purposeful, in my opinion. It stated that... Um, the importance of hygiene was recognized only in the 19th century with the development of the germ theory of disease. Until then, the streets were commonly filthy with live animals of all sorts and human waste. And I get that, but why wouldn't one equate the bad smell or bad air with the stank of the streets and therefore take measures to try to amend that? Plague doctors were the essential workers of the Black Death, and one of the only professions that, while it was a dangerous one, was in high demand. Plague doctors were prone to being kidnapped by desperate outlaws and ransomed to the highest bidder. A lot of them died of plague, and some of them ran away from what they saw, and I don't blame them. So therefore, like the Middle Ages, essential workers to this day are still subjected to dangerous situations while also being in high demand. It's fun times. It took years and decades for Europe and the Old World to recover from the plague, economically speaking and population-wise. The peasant folk who did survive were able to rise slightly above their class and learn new trades, and were therefore able to request a better pay. This resulted in the sadly short-lived Peasant Revolt of the Middle Ages, which I'm going to save that for another episode, but it's a very interesting part of history, one that I wish would have been allowed to thrive. So I really hope you found this episode interesting. I really just wanted to pop up here and do a really quick uh, Plague Doctor history, as well as a quick Black Death history, and I thought this was pretty interesting to do and quite fitting for Halloween, so I hope you enjoyed it. And on an important note, with the rising cases of COVID-19, I do hope my listeners are taking the precautions they need to protect themselves and to protect others. And please, if you aren't, and if you believe that this pandemic does not affect you, or it isn't real, or you just wish I would shut up right now, then maybe just stop listening. This show isn't for you, and 
you won't enjoy future episodes, so please don't come back. Um, but for those that do listen and do care about others, mask up, wash your hands, stay distant, but stay connected.